0: This is an official download
2: from thecustardtv.com.
3: We're back in the Time Machine. Thanks for listening to this. It's our second TV Time Machine where Matt and I, who normally live, or at least Matt does, on the Custard TV podcast, take a look back at four shows that were airing in this month in 1998. Last time we looked at The Royal Family, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?, a strange Linda plant show, and another show that I've completely forgotten watching.
2: I've been searching my soul tonight. Oh, of course, I'll, leave I'll be-
3: bill, <laughs> yet yeah, still didn't make any impression on me. This time around, we're in October 98, and we are looking at Robson Green, Stephen Tompkinson Vehicle Grafters, the first ever episode of the 11 o'clock show, a gritty BBC crime drama literally called The Cops, and Fort Boyard because why not that is a Channel 5 (laughs) game show that that I did a lot of reading about afterwards and uh, was fascinated by Uh, but we'll get to all that first of all though Matt you want to tell us what was going on in uh, this time in 1998
2: I do yes TV news uh, Luke I think we need some sort of jingle or something like that Sky One begins um, simulcasting part of Chris Evans' breakfast show from Virgin Radio. Do you remember this? I remember that. That was like...
3: That was very really special to me, and it was as if you weren't seeing something you weren't supposed to see. And it wasn't <laughs> really that fascinating, but it was like, ooh. Because this was a period where... If you listen to somebody on the radio, apart from Chris Evans, who was obviously a well-known TV presenter, the rest of the team, you had no idea what they mm. looked like at all. I found that really fascinating. Don't know how long it lasted for, but I used to watch it quite religiously before school. He's simulcasting this show now on YouTube.
2: Oh, there you <laughs> go. How things have gone. The more they changed, the more they stay the same. Uh, <laughs> the same day, the 5th of October, on Sky 1, uh, Sarah, Duchess of York had a 10-part series called Sarah Surviving Life. Guests in the first episode include a woman who was raped by Fred West and a man who killed someone. So basically like the one survival. show. <laughs> Is it? And next, Pilates. Or Pilates. <laughs> yeah, next, no. Next, the man who's growing the biggest tomato. <laughs> yeah. UK Play launches. Um, I mentioned this last time. Now, if you remember last time when we were talking about the royal family, Luke.
3: Yeah. And I I had
2: mistakenly remembered watching um, a full sort of box set of the royal family during the day on the aforementioned UK TV play. It was actually in the evening and it was it was put on that specific day because it was the wedding of Edward and Sophie. So there was a royal wedding that day. In UK TV play, uh, played the first. Can se- I just apologise
3: to everyone who listened to that first episode of the TV Time Machine? I feel like already we've started yeah. off by lying Lied. to you. And I appreciate that because you nobody's thought about that at all. Since no, it's, it's played on your mind. You feel like you. No wonder you wanted to do this sooner. You wanted to get this off yeah. your chest. and I appreciate I that. This is a forum for honesty, <laughs> and I appreciate you that you've
2: you've made a mistake. You've owned up to it. It just makes us look poor. Now, we've got the books of this still. Uh, the debut of Delia's How to Cook. I remember this clearly because this was basically Delia's Back to Basics show where she showed everyone how to poach an egg.
3: Oh well, well, really Back to Basics.
2: Mm. It was literally called How to Cook. So if people didn't know how to cook... Why didn't we
3: watch that? I'd have loved to have watched that. Because
2: I couldn't find it anyway. Oh,
3: OK. That, what, I did I would try. Have, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah.
2: Very memorable uh, event from our youth. Um, Richard Bacon being sacked from Blue Peter for taking cocaine.
3: It's weird that sort of, if you weren't in the know, you still knew about these things that happened. Like, if something happens in Big Brother or Made in Chelsea now... I don't know about it. In fact, I make a conscious effort not to know about it. But the era that we're in now, 1998, things happened and you were aware of it, even if you didn't know the person or the context. But I can't remember how big of a deal this was. Would uh, would you compare it to something that's happened recently and say it's as big as, I don't know.
2: I don't know. Philip Schofield, maybe? Maybe. Pre-internet, when the tabloid was very much king because this was revealed in the one of the i'm not sure which paper news of the world and obviously then it becomes a big controversy i have watched the brief clip of the head of children's program lorraine hegesy actually coming on to explain what happened um in sort of child-friendly terms which was then aped by armstrong and miller wasn't it years later Indeed. Well, that was the them talking about it on the show. This was literally her coming on as a, just a talking head randomly That's That's before weird. the programme.
4: That's uh, weird. Hello, I'm Lorraine Hegacy and I'm head of children's programmes at the BBC. Many of you will have watched Blue Peter last Friday and joined in our 40th birthday party. It was right that Blue Peter should be celebrating its many achievements of the past 40 years and we were delighted to be presented with a special award at this week's children's BAFTAs. But many of you will know that there has been a sad event too. One of the Sunday newspapers reported that Richard Bacon, a Blue Peter presenter, had taken an illegal drug. Richard admits that he has done this and that he very much regrets it. However, I believe that Richard has not only let himself and the team on Blue Peter down, but he's also let all of you down badly. So we have decided that Richard cannot continue to present Blue Peter, and he agrees that that is the right decision. We're all very sorry and upset about this, but I can assure you that everyone on Blue Peter will be working hard to make sure that it continues to be one of your favourite programmes.
2: And he also had to uh, give back his Blue Peter badge. I do Peter. like
3: how he's owned it because a lot of people just wouldn't be able to come back from that. And,
2: and I was Bacon's thinking,
3: living it up in LA, he's a TV
2: producer. Do you think he would have retained his. Blue Peter you know, Badge? No, he's sort of fame, <laughs> his name, if it hadn't been for being the guy who's. Well, who got, I suppose to, to answer that pizza.
3: question, you'd have to tell me. Who else was on Blue Peter with him at the time and whether I knew any of their names?
2: Katie Hill. Yes. Stuart Miles. No. And someone else who has sort of gone on to do other things, Connie Hook. But...
3: Oh, OK. So it should be the Katie Hill or the guy, Miles, whose name I've already Stuart forgotten. Miles. Yeah.
2: He, it would be him, wouldn't it? Because I completely <laughs> forgot him already. As you say, gone now more to a producing role and... You know, coming up with shows like This Is My House and I Literally Just Told You.
3: Which are hits, bonafide
2: hits. Bonafide hits? Streetmate, we would possibly talk about with Davina McCall, sort of her big break really, wasn't it?
3: I realise now, you're saying you had the books for Delia Smith, you mm. saw Streetmate. I don't know. I must have been up in the bedroom listening to music a lot because they, these things. I didn't watch didn't
2: Street Mate when it was on. No, I didn't me. watch Street Mate. Of the shows we're talking about today, I don't think I watched any. Maybe Fort Boyard. Was the only oh, come one. on.
1: Come on. <laughs> what we're going to do right here is go back. Way back. Way back. Back into time. Way back. Way back. Way back. Way back.
3: Let us start then with, as we would on The Ordinary Podcast, which you can listen to as well, drops most Wednesdays, the Custer TV Podcast. We always start with a big BBC or ITV drama, the tentpole drama. This one is called The Cops. It aired on BBC Two. That's right, isn't it, Matt? Yes, Luke.
2: Thank
3: you. It is. It is. Yes, it is. I don't know how I came to know about it, but it is mentioned in sort of gritty bbc police dramas as one of the first to be well it has a lot of language in it which you didn't associate with tv of this era it's sort of handheld it's more freewheeling there's not a lot of music
2: in it no sort of backing track no no, no. what they would call as non-diegetic yeah. mu- diegetic because music because so. i have had In
3: my head for about four uh, four days. We'll get to that. So there's none of that sort of music in it, but it does have a feel of. I don't know if you ever saw the follow-up to E.R., which was Southland, was the next thing John Wells did after E.R. Yeah, the guy from the
2: O.C. in it. It
3: did, yeah. Ben somebody, and he it followed L.A. cops around. And it had language in it, but they bleeped it because it was network TV. I like how you keep saying language. Well, yeah, yeah. it had the the swearies in it. It had the swearies, (laughs) but they they bleeped it out because it was network TV and it looked like an episode of Cops.
2: I mean, I was thinking, like, The Wire as well, things like, you know, like those... Yeah, I mean, that might give it too much credit. But, yeah, I see what you mean. I think what you're talking about at the moment is the visual yes, style. the, visuals, the it's, visual it's style. And it's documentary style. Yeah. Have you ever seen a, a film called End of Watch? Yes. Because it very much reminded yes. me of that. Yeah, they yeah. use that. I think the sort of devices that one of them is, is doing, like a a short film or something aren't they so it is all like it is camcorder footage yeah. and it i doesn't think
3: quite feel the... like that but it does just mm. feel a bit more freewheeling than it's... your I prime think the suspects
2: way... or your crackers which would have mm. been
3: the forebearers here
2: certainly when they're in the police station it's where the camera's placed it's mm. like you're peering behind doors you're in the middle of the conversation rather than people are in front of a placed camera it's very much where the camera's placed it makes you feel like you're eavesdropping almost doesn't
3: it and that would have been quite revolutionary at the time Mm. one thing i was thinking was i could imagine this being reworked with almost identical script new cast and it would be working now and they would say it still feels revolutionary because it it did feel very of now there wasn't much that felt like you're in 1998
2: Um, It's set in, like, a fictional suburb of Manchester, Stanton. Yeah. It's something we've seen subsequently quite a lot of times. But, I mean, I know that this was around the same time as This Life, and you had the lawyers who were also going out partying, and you see this woman, she's in a club, she's snorting cocaine, and then someone tells her it's five in the morning, and she's like, no, I need to get home. She gets in a cab. And then she ends up at the police station and you find out she's one of the officers. She's quite new. She's a probationer. John Henshaw's character. Do you want to take over with him? Yeah,
3: he's he's lost his boss. He knows he's responsible. He tries to track them down, but he can't pin anything on them. Then there's a new Asian uh, recruit who's you know, struggling but is always being pushed to the front because the the bosses there want him to be the face of everything as they're trying to ingratiate themselves into the
2: community. He's so, always given the beat where the yeah. Asian community live even though yeah. it's a Muslim community and he's Hindi and it's the thing that, you know, they all look the same. It's the sort of racist side yes, of the police. absolutely.
3: And then Katie Kavanagh's character... She goes to the aid of somebody who can see mould at the top of their ceiling. It transpires that the neighbour next door has died. He's been undiscovered for nearly six weeks. And then when they go over to find out next of kin, they find that his daughter, doesn't know he's died, but is caring for him and taking his prescription drugs to feed a habit. All of that sounds like something you'd see in a drama today.
2: And there's also a young couple who have stolen some flowers from a church and are getting married that day um, and are arrested. I really liked it. It does look dated, but the themes are still prevalent, especially, as you say, there's this new sergeant who's been drafted in from quite a posh area the uh, detective inspector is very much you know we want sort of modern policing in this area he uses quite a lot of buzzwords and that to me is the thing that sort of struck me as this is the thing that we could still have
1: here in key west we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Today in this in this world. Um, but yeah, like the stuff, as you said, with the Asian officer. John Henshaw, fantastic. Um, I thought, I always had it in my mind that he was the boss in this rather Yeah, than it's weird, isn't it? One mean? of the PCs, yeah. but it, it worked you feel like he has been on this beat for years and he knows yeah. all the criminals and who you know who's up to what and yeah. and what have you Katie Kavanagh who i only know uh, from Coronation Street was absolutely brilliant i i thought she was great in the scenes with the the man who died and you yeah. you know you got the impression that the new sergeant there might be a relationship there why don't you think this is sort of endured as a like something people still talk about. It does feel very influential, but it's not really, you know, apart from people like us who know TV, but neither of us have seen it, why do you think that it's not really talked about in the same sort of echelon as a cracker or a prime suspect? I wonder
3: whether, A, it being tucked away on BBC Two, Mm. it probably wasn't the word of mouth hit that it should have been, there was no stars in it, which again mm. it was important at that time. It mean,
2: won the BAFTA for Best Drama series twice as well.
3: It's so weird that for some reason it's not
2: stuck around in people's no. consciousness. Personally I think that it's never really been repeated. No. And it was it's gonna not... go
3: on the you know in the twenty mm. in twenty twenty when they said we're gonna stick a load of old things on iPlayer? This was one of the things, and it just never... I didn't love it. I appreciated
2: mm. it. The themes didn't feel dated. And I really appreciated that, st- you know, the style we were talking about. People did say it was semi-improvised dialogue. I don't know if that's true, but, the you know, again, when you're in the police station with all of the officers talking to each other, you feel like you're there. When they're sort of bantering, that dialogue all feels... Re- there was nothing that you couldn't believe would happen to those characters. I also liked Sue Cleaver popping up as like Yes. the custody officer. It went at a pace, didn't it, as well. You you know, you flip between all these different stories. You sort of cared about the characters that you were following. It really rang true and it sort of still rings true, but it's just something you wish more people would would be able to see because looking at the critical response, it was very much acclaimed. The first episode got, like, six million viewers on BBC Two, which is really good, but then it sort of dropped from there, but get really big critical acclaim to the fact it won two BAFTAs.
3: Well, that's The Cops. I mean, I think it's just so um, ahead of its time, but so forgotten as well.
2: Mm. Uh, well, that's what I mean. It's one. Yeah. I'm glad we've talked about it, but I wish more people were able to see it because I think it would maybe get reappraised perhaps. I know, um, as I mentioned, cardiac arrest has come on the iPlayer and I've seen a lot of people say, actually, I remember this being good, but what rewatching it hasn't sort of held up really. This, as we said, what appealed to us and presumably what appealed to the critics
3: at the time was that you were you felt as if you were in the room and you were observing rather than being given this glossy TV show. So if you can find it anywhere, and I'll let you know on Twitter and on our Instagram if it does, because sometimes it's quietly creep onto the iPlayer. They don't make a song mm. dance of it. So if it comes up anywhere, I'll let you know, because uh, I think it's one that if you're a TV fan, you'd be interested in seeing. That's The Cops that aired in October on BBC Two. Uh, it's interesting you saying that you've had the theme tune to the next show in your head, because I literally have been humming it since I saw the episode.
2: Not just the theme tune, Luke, but the music the, that just played yeah. the only the bit only of music. The only music. Everything play. they ever did. Doom, doom, dum, Dun, 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 dun. This is the (laughs) idea. That's it. He's seen it.
1: He's seen it. (laughs)
3: is grafters. this is uh, an ITV drama in the Robson Green verse, as we'll call it, because I don't think we can quite overstate... Not the
2: Stephen Tompka verse, I prefer that if I might. Well,
3: yeah, (laughs) Uh, but we can't overstate how big Mr. Green was, particularly for ITV, and my mum was a big fan of Robson Green. You know what,
2: Luke, I was having this exact conversation last night because... The old Top of the Pots from 1995 have got up to ah. Robson and Jerome being number one. Uh, so on the first one they were singing Unchained Melody and then yeah. the second one they did White Cliffs of Dover just to mix it yeah, up a Just bit. to
3: mix it up. You've got to give the people what they want, a bit of column A, column B. Uh, but you can't overestimate how big Robson Green was at the time. My mum was a big fan. I don't think necessarily of Soldier to Soldier, but I remember.
2: Just Soldier Soldierly.
3: Yeah, I don't worry. It's Soldier to Soldier. is a different <laughs> show altogether. But he was massive, and it was back in the days of the, the ITV Golden Handshake where they signed up talent and then they just made a ton of programmes with that be series of things or one-off dramas he was all over the place I think this is the start of it I think Reckless which is a Paul Abbott thing on ITV came later I no a year it came...
2: later they would have done the same with uh, Ross Kemp wouldn't they yes
3: what a time to be alive <laughs> but... <laughs> but Grafters was this comedy drama I'll call it with a jaunty soundtrack
2: And this
3: is him... And Stephen Tomkinson, playing brothers, pair of decorators who were called in by Neil Stuke and Emily Joyce uh, to do up a wreck of the house that they bought. They're newly married and they're really excited about the prospects of this house. Uh, um, Robinson and uh, Tomkinson, as we'll call them, Trevor
2: and... Rob and Tom.
3: Rob and Tom, <laughs> yeah. Rob and Tom bring along their significant others. Trevor, played by Stephen Tompkinson, brings over his wife and uh, infant son. Yeah. Jo- yeah. Joe brings his girlfriend who is actually the we find out later, the wife of a police inspector. And the idea is they're gonna go to London and, and do this house up. You know, it's just gonna be the two of them working on it. Nowadays, if you've ever seen Grand Designs, you need like a project manager and hard hard hats and high vis and all this and they're just going to do this whole house up. Just the two builders. When they arrive, they've already pigged off both of the women who abandon them and go home. But it's sort of Emily Joyce's character who's sort of spoken up for them and wants
2: them back when they're she's sacked. She's charmed initially. by. So I mean, what what happens as you say is they go down. She's charmed by them. He's a bit suspicious of them. I mean, the the big thing is that they stay in this caravan. Trevor has got bacon and eggs and everything, but has nowhere to cook it so he goes into the house that they're doing up there's basically a gas explosion isn't there more or less that gets them off the job they go back to Newcastle which is where they're from you know Robson Green and Trevor is very sort of depressed Joe puts in his head that his other half might be having an affair they have a bit of a blow up he then gets them back on the job and Joe's as you say he's having an affair with uh, Janice, played by Eva Pope, whose husband finds out he's a police inspector who follows them all the way down to London. Mm. When they get to the house again, as you said, the, the tarp tarp has top fallen has fallen off. off it's all of the roof, and Neil Stuke almost dies, and it's the brothers who save him. And it's basically an hour of setup, really, isn't it? Because well, they all go down say. to London, and then they all come back, and then they come back, go back this down was again.
3: One of my main takeaways is. <laughs> The first episode, like I have no idea what the show is. Really, I have no idea what the plot's gonna be. Again, I gave Luke
2: options about what to watch, and he picked this.
3: <laughs> well, I th- I thought this would be easy, and it was. And I've got that flaming piano. <laughs> <laughs> It's unusual, isn't it? I mean, normally we say on the podcast, when, when you do it, you watch the first episode, and rightly or wrongly, we then decide whether it's for us, whether we want to continue, whether we're intrigued enough. And sometimes we've been wrong, and things have become word-of-mouth hits, and we go back, and we've really enjoyed something that we've dismissed. It's rare, though, to watch a first episode of a drama like this And not have a clue what the show is. Presumably that police inspector bloke isn't going to be following them everywhere. And I did read in there is a Grafter series too. But,
2: like, what is the show? It's going to be them getting up to mishaps in each episode. But it's weird, we have to guess. It's basically like the Trotters, more or less, isn't it? Yeah. Because Robson Green's Boy in the second episode? Probably. Stephen Tompkinson is Rodney, because is he's yeah. a bit thicker. He, he yeah. buys into what he's being told. As it says, the grafters, the chancers. So I, my my theory is that they will now be down in London, getting up to hijinks. Robson Green, you know, is the ladies' man. Yeah. Stephen Tompkinson. They've also taken Trevor's infant son with them, because his partner's gone to sort of get ahead together. Yeah, I didn't so buy that. I mean, of all the things I didn't
3: buy, I didn't But you've got to have, buy. like, a cute child in there as so that well. So that's like the know. granddad type character, or Uncle Albert, <laughs> is there? If we're staying yeah. with the Fools and Horses analogy, then that's your It granddad. fell down quite quickly, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did, really. This felt incredibly dated. There is no way anywhere, except for maybe Acorn TV or Channel 5 on a Saturday Acorn night, TV. might anywhere, you can get that what I would call cosy TV way. Drama, where, maybe. Dra- mm, yeah, but UK it's, TV it, drama. It still wouldn't have that sort of jaunty soundtrack. I mean, that's what stuck with me is the soundtrack. Yeah. The performances are what they are. It's Bobson Green playing type, you know, he's easy to play, this charismatic ladies man who is charming and you've got to you sort of like him even though he's a bit of a loser and it didn't offend me, but it felt like a relic. I found it quite bemusing, really, because I don't know what the show is, I don't know whether it matters that I don't know what the show is, but there's nothing in there that we're remembering where we are. There's nothing in there that would make me tune in at 9 o'clock the following week, apart from the fact that I might like Stephen Tompkinson and All and Green, and maybe
2: that's Did you point. like the characters?
3: No, not particularly.
2: No. No. That was my... And that's always a thing with you more than me. But I just like... Stephen Tompkinson very... dry, Didn't have any agency to him. But where Robson, you know, just didn't really care. The female characters were so underwritten.
3: Oh, yes.
2: You know, and I I don't know why they had to focus so much on Neil Stook. Like, he got scenes independent of the two brothers and he really was like a non-character, I thought, even though, you know, we love Neil Stook. We didn't really need to follow their story as well. But as you say, we don't really get these, you know, comedy dramas just focusing on characters rather than, like, mysteries or... I know I'm all for character-driven things, Mm
3: -hmm. but what is the show? And I think... I think ITV are just saying, we'll stick these beloved actors that people know, people trust, people respect, we'll stick them in the show, it's easy watching, your nan can watch it, and uh, it'll be fine.
2: And I think Grafters is almost like a, an ironic title, because they're very much like, yeah. to me, They're especially Robson Green's character, Joe, is is very much chancer. But... So they've Did already you done see... that with Clive Did you see the ratings for this? No, I didn't look... This was the one I didn't look up. Go on. The first episode got almost 11.5 million viewers. I tell you what. You know, we could be sitting here criticising it, but as I say, you cannot knock. It didn't dip below 9 million viewers. Wow.
3: And I understand why people would enjoy being in the company of... These actors, they know it's just the characters aren't very interesting or well or well drawn or overly layered. They, you know, they're playing ordinary people who do an ordinary job, but they don't feel particularly ordinary either. They're a bit overwritten in places too. This is our relic. This well, there's several relics this week, but this is our drama relic because I think it just. Films out of date, even in 98,
2: I think. 11 o'clock show. First episode of this was the 30th of September, but it went on the next, obviously, the next one was the 1st of October, so it ran... You looked week, out there, didn't you? It ran <laughs> weeknights on Channel 4 at, surprisingly, 11 o'clock. People best know this as the show that launched Ali G., Uh, also Ricky Gervais who I think was in later series Mackenzie Crook as well was in in later series I mean there was a lot of sort of cutting edge comedians in this Daisy Donovan and Ian Lee who I remembered as the anchors but um, here we had Fred McCauley and Brendan Burns who
1: Here in Key West we were out before it was in In this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
2: Ian Lee was on the show as a roving reporter and would be sort of strewn across some sofas in the studio. It was an odd studio, wasn't it? <laughs> really, it was odd. I couldn't really get a handle on it. You also had like Rich Hall was the American correspondent, but I, as I say, the big segments here and I watched the first two episodes uh, were, you know, Sacha Baron Cohen pretending to be this sort of the voice of the youth, as they as they referred to him talking to various politicians about various issues. I mean, this wasn't the first time that we had a character like this. I re- remember very clearly uh, Paul K's Dennis Penis, which I think was sort of mid-90s on Sunday mornings on BBC Two, oddly, on something called The Sunday Show.
3: I'm not one of those people. Well, no, that's not fair. I am occasionally <laughs> one of those people,
2: but I'm not- You're not a person. No, I'm not one of them people, no.
3: Well, you know one of those people who says, oh, you know, it was a different time, it was a different era. I I appreciate that 1998 was entirely different and we can't judge it by today's standards. I don't think we should. It's not fair. However, the jokes about Louise Woodward really made me Mm. uncomfortable. Those jokes really made me uncomfortable because they were laughing at a child's death, which is a really strange thing to do. In a bit to get her life back on track, Louise Woodward, the woman who brought new meaning to the phrase bouncing baby boy, today had her first lecture at the South Bank University, where she's studying for a degree in law.
1: Louise is hoping eventually to become a lawyer and is looking forward to being just an ordinary normal student. Apparently her first day has been rather difficult when people asked, what did you do in your year off? She had to reply, I shook a baby to death. <laughs>
5: Eventually, she got a place at South Bank University and at Freshers' Week Ball, she
1: vowed to hit the floor with the kids and get smashed off her skull. (laughs) The new Slimline Louise has opted against the traditional greasy student food available in the college canteen in favour of a strict diet plan she learnt in the States. It's the one where you have a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and by evening you could really murder something. (laughs) They
3: seemed uncomfortable a lot of the times talking. Brendan and Fred McCrawley had no connection with each other at all they seem to be laughing their way through it the 11 o'clock show worked for me when it was those outside sequences the with, Ian, Ian Lee. with Ian Lee stuff worked you know and, and even his sort of leading here's me on the telly doing this now all that sort of thing all that worked and to use a phrase that I will continue to use on this and only this podcast that Ali G character comes out of the box fully formed it's no wonder that he is the thing that that people although remember although i thought
2: show. the second episode you sort of more had the style of what yes. he looked you know they they had to sort of decide Pined on what his the, looks were the aesthetics and actually i thought in that second one he was a little bit more relaxed and and yeah. played off more what the um i think it's teddy taylor and it was yeah. all about sort of not being in Europe and things like that, playing off what he was saying, whereas in the first one, it was more him just yeah. talking about rap music and playing the character. I but think you, it you was about getting that rapport.
3: You can understand entirely why Sacha Baron Cohen was able mm. to take this elsewhere. where it's just... You know, even if in its earliest incarnations, it was clear it had legs, it was clear it was funny, it was clear that he was a proper comedy creation, like an Alan Partridge type figure. Wicked, we is here with Teddy
5: Taylor, MP for Southport, and he is a Tory, and he is talking to us about Europe, because it's time we know about this Europe-tin that we're hearing about every day. (laughs) So who else is in Europe? Well, the countries that are in Europe, for example, are countries like Spain, like Germany, like France, like Finland, uh, and you'll find there's some countries, of course, that haven't joined. And the interesting thing is... Most of them is crap countries, though. Well, (laughs) I don't know if they're crap countries. Some of them are very good countries. Is Jamaica in Europe? Jamaica's not there in the Commonwealth, and it's... Is that not racialist, though, that they... Well, they say, basically, the only countries that can join are European countries. An awful lot of the decisions are made in what's called horse trading. You support me in this one, and I'll support you in this one. With horses? No. Look, Ali, I want to get this thing. I don't want a Europlug. So will you vote with me to stop the Europlug, and I'll vote with you in something else? And where do the horses come in? The horse might be say, no Europlug. In exchange, they'll say, well, we want more money for this, or more money for that, or more power for this. The horse is at a meeting? So what about yeah. the pornos? Would that be st- still be legal in Amsterdam? Well, it's very—it's going to be very difficult indeed, quite frankly, as the borders go down to try and accept a difference in policy. So, will I still be able to buy stuff with, you know, dogs and women or whatever? China, <laughs> and, and that would be illegal. Then? You'll still be able to do that, but the whole question is—is it going to have the same law for Europe? So, we could start getting pornos of that quality <laughs> yeah, if the European Council ministers decide that the same rule should apply throughout Europe.
3: <laughs> the stuff in the studio was painful. It seemed like it was mm. painful for them to do. All that mm. stuff felt very homemade, and I was but, most relaxed when they were not in the studio. You could see the foundations of what it was trying to be, but mm. it was too rough around the edges in those
2: early days. It was one of those shows, possibly, that they were tweaking. You know, it's, it was live TV, and they were tweaking it, as it was going on by sort of the second series, which I think was early 99. And there's almost like a pilot episode for that, where oddly the G interview is with Jacob Rees-Mogg on that one. And as I say, it's Ian Lee and uh, Daisy Donovan are the anchors then, and Mackenzie Crook takes on the, the Ian Lee role, more or less. They recognise what didn't work and sort of worked on that, if you will, rather than just say we will pursue this onwards. They recognise, like you did, that you know there wasn't a lot of chemistry between the two hosts, and you know, do something about it. It was one of those where you, you could see there were bits there that worked, as you say, inly on the street. I think the one gag that sort of worked for me, which you couldn't do today, was about serial killers doing paintings in prison. <laughs> that yeah, was... but again,
3: jokes like that—they do them, mm-hmm. you get them, and then they go on too long. That's what yeah. I think. Why do you think it went on too
2: long? They only did like two. It went on one too many. <laughs> and again, going back to grafters, is the misogynistic humour, which yeah. again, you know, I agree with you about all the Louise Woodward stuff. But one that really got me was the thing about oh. Anthea Turner on that magazine. And, that, and they. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. That was horrendous. You didn't need to do that gag. They thought they were being edgy with the Louise Woodward stuff. The Turner stuff was just mean yeah. and sexist. That would not happen to and that—that's the sort of humour that I'm glad we've got away from. It was being talked about at Edinburgh that there's a lot of risks aren't being taken, at, you know, of the thing of offending people, which you know I think we've had a discussion about, and it's—it's it's a case by case basis. But I'm glad we've got away from, you know, it's not completely disappeared, but I'm glad we've got away from just jokes about women's looks. And I thought that was one of the most distasteful things on the show really
3: uh the 11 o'clock
2: show is available on youtube that's where most of it. the episodes actually
3: yeah. oddly it's not on all four or channel four or
2: whatever they're calling probably it but probably like a music rights hmm. thing or uh, they just don't want to take ownership of that's it that's why
3: grafters isn't available anymore because no. they don't want to pay the
2: bbc have flip-flopped on Whether they want Little Britain on the iPlayer or not, it's been an ongoing. Do
3: we want this to represent our current values and brand? And that was five years
2: later, and arguably there's worse stuff in that than there was here. Oh god,
3: yeah, but people sort of thought, oh, they're they're cartoonish characters, so they Mm. can get away with it. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's the eleven o'clock show, and it is completely my fault. Because I didn't look further up again in the what should we watch section that we landed on Channel 5's game show Fort Boyard, and Matt is going to be, if you like, Chef Boyardee. and no, why through. am I doing this one? Because you're like the game <laughs> show man. well I
2: didn't understand what was going on Thanks. here at all. So, all right, good, because that was my thing. Fort Boyard is this like like a fort in the middle of? Okay, I think you've got you've got that down. Yeah was it in france like well, in the the ori- there was shores. an
3: original show in france so i don't know if mm. they've
2: used their i think set. this is the same set yeah. this is the set that they use so they've gone to france and presumably it was sort of surrounded by water you had a team of five people the aim is to get initially to get four keys mm. to then unlock a room to get five words and mm. then you have to Find a word that connects the words that you found. Yep. To stand on these squares with letters on to make that word. Yeah. And then collect loads of coins before you get eaten by tigers. Leslie Grantham is there as the snide keeper of Pant- the fort. Like a he, is, villain. he is Boyard. Yeah. Um, and there's also a guy in a tower called the Professor. There was some backstory about him previously being the head of the fort. Also, Melinda Messenger was there as the host. And also, she was on hand to give a lot of health and safety <laughs> advice, I found. Do
3: you know what I found uh, annoying? They're doing this thing almost like Crystal Maze, where somebody's in a room and the hmm. team have got to encourage her. And it's basically Melinda Messenger telling the person outside the room what they've got to do, and then they would shout that into the woman in the room. Why didn't Melinda Messages
2: just do it? Lift with your knees, not your back. Yeah. Like that, she was shouting. I'm guessing you've read the whole thing with the crystal maze and how they sort of wrap into each other. Yeah. This was a French game show, uh, I think, started in 1989. Uh, Channel 4 bought the rights to do a version of the show in the uk but they wanted to tweak the format which was against the like the contract you know they wanted basically a loyal remake of the game show also there was an issue with filming on the force at that time so it became the crystal maze it became you know it's a very similar and i i thought this is essentially the crystal maze and then i did some research and it was sort of different enough. And then, obviously, when Channel 5 started, it's like we need a new glossy game show for Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, rope in Grantham and Messenger, who the Dream Team.
3: I just put some names in a hat. We'll pick them out.
2: Because this ran for five series, but the last series, Melinda Messenger was replaced by someone who I don't recognise the name of. Leslie Grantham was replaced by Burnside himself, Chris Ellison and the Professor character changed into a haggard sea captain played by Tom Baker. There's so many
3: questions I have about that, <laughs> but we don't have the time, and I probably don't
2: have the oh, memory Oh, space. no, sorry, we forgot as well that the people pointing them towards each bit of oh, the sport, they have to go on, oh. there's two dwarves who are actually from the original series. So probably can't...
3: didn't speak a word of English. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So basically, you've got Dirty Den, a glamour model, two French dwarves and some tigers yeah. with five yeah. people from the greater Birmingham area who mainly were fitness instructors. Basically, they had like 45 minutes to do the entire thing. So they had to get these keys initially. They had yeah. to get the four keys, but the time was counting down, so they didn't do it all in the in the time Yeah. And there was the whole sort of, you could get locked in, like, yeah, on like the Crystal, crystal Maze.
3: I'm so glad you didn't understand it. I promised you I was paying attention.
2: I wasn't checking emails. I wasn't... I sort of wasn't, so... That makes me feel I worse, in a way. I sort of was anyway. at the start, and then I was like, this... I, I just can't get on with... Because it, it's so repetitive. And I think you need, like, like a Crystal Maze, you need a Richard O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. Or a Richard Iowadi. Basically, someone called Richard. Richard, that's where they went wrong. You know
3: how people don't like cringe comedy? I can understand that completely. I like various parts of cringe comedy. What I find really cringy is actors playing characters like this with Mm. ordinary people where they know they're not the lord of the whatever. They know it's Leslie Grantham, Dirty Den of EastEnders, but they have to go along with it. They know the Professor guy is somebody who was in The Demon Headmaster who is just playing a character, and then they spend too long after they've been with the professor, so he's got lines of dialogue. It, it, all of that is just really cringy, and almost like just filling space, and made me feel really uncomfortable, and it's, it's just too silly. The gameplay, I didn't understand. They're getting the keys, the standing on a thing, the password, all of that. Being
2: underwater, someone did a bungee jump at yeah, one point.
3: Like the actual sticking your head up into all these... Creepy crawlies. And do, I'm a celebrity. Doing bungee jumps. You can kind of see that it was what I'm a celebrity would become. Is is aspects of the show that would have been things we wouldn't have seen at that point. Just people being pushed to the limits. I mean, the guy who does the bungee jump who is forced into it really doesn't want to do it, and they're like, <laughs> and they force it into it. Those sort of bits were engaging because it it showed you the real person. And it, you know, I... forgoed the silliness that it was wrapped around in. But the whole game show was too convoluted. I hated Melinda. Messenger I've just thought and as well,
2: at the end. So they grab all these coins. Yeah. She puts them in a big thing, and it was like you've got two thousand yeah. six hundred thirty yeah. billion, which we will to...
3: convert into currency. <laughs> we don't know what they've won. They don't know what they've won, but they've had a lovely time in France. Just a bizarre moment in time. You can see elements of the Crystal Maze.
2: You would, because the Crystal Maze was based on the French version of this, so you would see that.
3: And you could see elements of Mm. sort of the riskier... Fear Factor sort of and I'm a Celeb would then go on to perfect and make their trademark. But the whole song and dance around what the game was, how the game was played, um, and the characters within the game, it tried too much and it failed at the majority mm. of it and it, I was bamboozled.
2: One of my favourite shows as a kid, Nightmare, Yeah, they would have actors playing like elves and wizards and things like that, but they were actors who... Weren't known from other things, so you yeah. could believe them just, as these. Absolutely, yeah.
3: Any other thoughts? This is your last opportunity. Well, Leslie Grantham talk about. looked
2: really bored and was obviously just thinking about how much money he was going to get. Well, obviously, producing. How producers much currency, getting... you mean? How much yeah. currency he was going to get? It feels outdated even for the 90s. I think watching something like Street Mate would at least sort of vary of its time. This is like late 80s you know this fits in with something like gladiators for example and i think they did try and remake this as well on maybe on challenge or something uh, but i don't think we'd see this again, mainly for health and safety reasons i don't know what this was i had no recollection of this being a thing we weren't really you weren't allowed to watch channel 5 let's be honest
3: Honestly, beyond the launch night with the Spice Girls, that's the only thing I remember. I don't think we went anywhere near it on the... And I not... don't know
2: if I referenced this last time, but Josh Widdicombe's book about 90s TV, he has, got, it. he has got a chapter purely about how he was excited about a fifth TV channel being launched because it was the first one in his lifetime, like it would be for us. But then very quickly it became, well, what's on here, like, you know... There was family affairs. I don't know if you remember that was their nightly soap opera. But is this it? actually, one week of the looking at the top thirty rated shows on Channel Five, this was the top rated program after three films that they were airing, and it got between one point five and two million viewers, which is good for channel. You know, be good even now. back then. Good now for Channel Five.
3: <laughs> okay, that is it. That is no, what... it's
2: not, Luke. Oh,
3: what are we doing? Your quiz? Oh no! I thought it was a pilot thing. Everyone loved it, so we've got to bring it back. You know, I had a small aneurysm after
1: that. What we gonna do right here is go back, way back, way back, back into time, way back, way back, way. Back. way, back.
2: way back. Five of these are on now. Forty-one. And one of them is on now 42. Ooh, interesting. And this is the the last week of October's charts. I'm very nice. And I looked through all the charts in October of 1998. And some of them had very obscure (laughs) songs that I don't remember. And I wanted to find one where there was at least a chance of you getting most of these you I think are one nice of
3: them. i mean you, not all the time but you know you are nice and people don't say that about you enough right so numbers 10 oh, to can't eight we do
2: the top five <laughs> are all from now 41 okay, okay go on then number 10 number 10 three weeks in the charts debuted at number one a teen female singer uh this was her second number one that year she is now more known as an actress. Billy, Yeah. What was that? So she'd already had because we want to. So it was girlfriend. Yes. <claps> yes.
3: Do you Ding. Have a
2: girlfriend? Number nine is a, a British boy band, famously uh, diminutive. Uh, this was a Bee Gees cover. 9 one Yeah. More than a woman. Yeah, well done. <sighs> this is the one that I'm going to struggle with a little bit. Go on. I have no memory of this. it this is a british uh, r and b female singer. The title is very similar to a Celeste song that was on the John Lewis advert a few years ago, also a Tom Grennan song from a couple of years ago.
3: <laughs> That's the title is is that? Yeah,
2: so the title of the song is is similar to both of those. Her surname, Is what you would call the actor turned wrestler who was in the Fast and the Furious films? If he was in France, (laughs) 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 have you got it?
3: I don't know who's in the Fast and the Furious. I was hoping you were going to say he's also
2: in. um, Oh, yeah, got it. The Rock, Kevin the Rock. Yeah, and the song?
3: (laughs) A little bit of love.
2: Love in. The oh, theme. is it? Okay. Yeah. Right, similar. Well... I said similar. Okay. Similar. You like that clue? Can you
3: do them all if they were <laughs> European countries? <laughs>
2: um, number seven, this was a uh, sort of big stay in the charts. It's been in the charts for eight weeks. Right. A song from one of the biggest films of that year, big blockbuster, mm-hmm. was nominated for best song at the Oscars that year. Uh, from a big American rock band. This was their comeback okay. single. It was, I don't want to miss a thing from Aerosmith. Well done. Last week's number one is this week's number six, Luke. Um, I'm going to take this...
3: a punch. Uh, not Stardust Music's Better With You. No.
2: No. Oh. Not okay. that. Okay. But a similar artist title name. Similar. Not Stardust, but...
3: Was it that Gin and Tonic
2: song? Yeah. Jim and Tonic. Jim and Tonic. Was, Bye. It, was it Star Mix or... No, no, no. Keep the second bit of the title. Dust. I honestly don't know that. If there are a lot of stars, where are you? Galaxy. No. Sky. Smaller. No. Planet. No. Where are all the planets, Luke? Like all in the, planets. the
3: solar system? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's with dust beginning with an S.
3: Start oh, with another Space Dust.
2: Yeah, there you go. Oh Christ. I
3: think I'm gonna let you off space dust, I don't think. That's I, that the same. has not permeated my brain since then.
1: Stand with your feet parallel a little more than hip distance apart. Your stomach pulled in, your weight slightly forward, keeping that posture and reach two three, two, three.
2: So, we have got five new entries, Luke. All the Ooh, top five are new entries. That's interesting and intriguing. Number five is a female Canadian singer-songwriter. Mm. Had one of the biggest albums of the 90s. This is the first single off her follow-up album. You're
3: still the one, Shania Twain? No. <laughs> Leanne Rhymes. How Do I Live?
2: No. No. Nice. No. Canadian... Like, alter- alternative rather than...
3: Oh, thank you, Alanis Morissette.
2: There you go, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Number four is a British group, big Mm. in the 80s. Uh, This, I think, was their comeback single. Culture Club, I Just Want to Be Loved. Yeah, well done. Now I'm going to give you a really uh, clue for this one, see if you get it. Go on. The lead singer of this band wrote this song as an apology for missing his anniversary to his wife.
3: Not Bohemian Rhapsody.
2: (laughs) In, in 1998. <laughs> I don't know no. if it recharted. I, Irish band. Irish band. The like, core... massive. One of the most famous bands of all time, I would say. Oh, you too, sweetest thing. There you go. Uh, I'll give you another obscure clue. The video for this is set in the men's toilets. In the men's toilets?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I <It's> do like. <laughs> I said it, that like all these body. videos
3: setting women's toilets, and this is the first
2: one. <laughs> um, and there's lots of police people uh, uh, outside as police George people. Michael. There you go. And number one is the one that you think you Share know. Now forty-two. Say it again, Luke. Share believe. I'm... Share believe. Yeah. Well I can I love how you got it from that clue.
3: I. But I also I remember how how big that song was. It was. So the best, I think it was
2: the best-selling single of that year. Uh, you've got all 10 of those. Yes, apart from Space Dust, which. No, I think you did. You, you got there in the end. We got there in the end with Space Dust. Do you remember Jim and Tonic, which you like? Yes. I don't a, think I anyone. Don't know where that I had is. To look, go back. It was essentially like a yoga class to music. Yeah. Okay, so this
3: is a podcast separate to the Custard TV podcast, although we're going to keep it on the feed for at least the, the next five episodes so people can get to know what it is and stuff. <laughs> As optimistic. As (laughs) optimistic as I always are. uh, Tell your friends about us. It's a great way of reminiscing and also just discovering why some shows worked, why some didn't, and exploring an entirely different TV landscape to the one we do now. It's the TV Time Machine, hosted by myself and Matt. You can find it, for the time being at least, on the Custard TV podcast feed, which you can find... 400 plus episodes of TV Talk with Matt and Gary and Dawn and Sarah and Will and And Sophie and me occasionally. (laughs) So you can find it all there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in November, I assume. And
2: do you know how we've done this episode, (laughs) Luke?
3: I do think it might be my favourite new piece of music.
2: (laughs) Goodbye.